Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey everybody, Brian McClanahan here. Are you looking for a great website that gives you history the way it was intended to be told? With no PC, no Marxism, no progressivism. Well, I've got it for you. It's LearnTrueHistory.com. That's LearnTrueHistory.com. Learn history from great professors who don't sugarcoat it for you. This is not for your delicate flowers. That's LearnTrueHistory.com. LearnTrueHistory.com. This is The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. This is episode 17, and the earth is shaking. The world has fallen off its axis. Things are going wrong all over the place because Ted Cruz has dropped out of the race, and so has John Kasich. And so now we only have Donald Trump, and people are very upset. So I want to talk about that today because I think that some people need to calm down. Everything's going to be okay. The world is is not going to stop revolving around the sun. Uh, things are going to be okay. And, and I would even reassure people that Donald Trump, and I'm going to go on record saying this, Donald Trump is not going to be as bad as Ted Cruz followers think. And this actually opens up a nice avenue for a conversation about what we expect out of the executive branch. And I've made this point before about Ted Cruz uh, in episode two, in fact, when I talked about Ted Cruz and how I thought he was actually the wrong person for the job, because I think he had a very distorted view of the executive branch. And I think this really gets down to what we conceptualize the executive branch should be, what we think the executive branch should do, and what we expect out of the president. Ted Cruz made a lot of promises. I have to say that, uh, and I'm going to write something about this, so I'm not going to I'm not going to steal all my thunder in the article I'm going to put out about this. But there was a piece that appeared, I believe, it was in the Washington Post that said that true conservatism has now been repudiated; it's dead. Well, Ted Cruz wasn't really a true conservative because he espoused various elements of neoconservatism, particularly in foreign policy. In fact, you could say that Donald Trump is more of a true conservative than Ted Cruz. Now, people are complaining about Trump and his views on social issues. I mean, he had the the uh, incident where he went to North Carolina and said, I believe North Carolina was wrong for passing this law against uh, transgender bathrooms. Um, he's had some very strange statements about abortion and other things like that. And so people are saying, well, my gosh, this guy, he, he's not one of us. He's not a real conservative. But this is also the man who has essentially come out and said, at the same time about North Carolina, he said, look, I, you know, I may think it's a bad law, but the federal government really has no 
role in this particular issue. This is a state issue. That is more important than any position he could take on any social issue. Because what he's talking about there is real federalism. And that is what we should get out of Donald Trump and why Donald Trump's now assured nomination from the Republican Party is not going to be bad. Because you see, if we're trying to conserve anything, it should be the American tradition of decentralization and federalism. Something that Ted Cruz gave lip service to at times, but I think he really was, at the end of the day, a domestic imperialist. Meaning that he wanted everyone to believe like him, and that the federal government should pass legislation that would enforce his views on American society in total. So this is where we get to this leftist view of this particular phenomenon, which is, you're going to be like us. This is political correctness. You're going to be like us, and if you don't, you're going to face repercussions. And then you have those on the right who would say, no, 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 you're going to be like us, and if you don't, you're going to face repercussions. It's the full force of the law coming to bear on these people, when in reality, what both those on the left and the right should be saying is, you know what? We're going to be like us, and if you don't want to live like us, well, don't live here. And you're going to be like you, and if you don't, if we don't want to live like you, we won't live where you live. It's self-determination. It's having a political community that fits the political culture of your area, and it's not about somebody else telling someone else how to live. You might call that libertarianism, and I think people have said it's libertarianism, but in some ways it's not that. It's federalism. And this is what I think Donald Trump can bring to the table. I've had people tell me that Donald Trump has written letters to various organizations and states saying that he supports their social issue crusade in their own state, and that he doesn't support it necessarily as um, a movement for the general government, but that's okay. So we need to understand what real federalism is and how Donald Trump might be the best thing that's happened to the United States in quite a while when it comes to real federalism. Now, again, this could blow up in everybody's face, and he could become someone who believes in a top-down approach to the central government and uh, that he's going to try to uh, enforce everything through the executive branch, just like Barack Obama. But but the the indication I've gotten from Trump is he's, he's not going to be that. Uh, and so we should be celebrating this. Now, what is real federalism? Real federalism actually goes back to the original Constitution. The idea was that the states would control virtually every domestic issue in the general government, and that the general government would handle general issues only, which essentially was commerce and defense. Now, Trump's foreign policy is far preferable to Ted Cruz. It's not perfect. But I think that it's going back to a more traditional approach to American foreign policy. And we're not going to go out and become uh, the police of the globe. We're going to allow other people to police themselves, which is exactly what the United States should be doing. We are broke, number one, and we don't have the money to engage in a far-flung empire. And number two, it's not in America's best interest to do this all the time. And I think Trump has recognized both things. 
And people would say, well, that's not a real conservative foreign policy. It is a real conservative foreign policy. I've mentioned that on this podcast. I've written about it. It is a real conservative American foreign policy. American imperialism is Wilsonianism. It's not conservative. And I think conservatives need to get that. What Trump has done is he hasn't destroyed true American conservatism. He's brought that back in foreign policy. He's made it sexy again. I mean, you can talk about people like Ron Paul and others who have pr- promoted this exact same thing in the last two election cycles, and we're laughed off the stage. Now Donald Trump does it, and because he's Donald Trump and he has a certain amount of gravitas, he's able to do this when other people can't. Now, again, it's not a perfect foreign policy. I think sometimes he made some, he did make some statements in there to make you think that we're going to have still an aggressive, bellicose foreign policy, but um, there might be some indication it's not, so... I think that uh, Trump's position is far preferable to anyone else in the uh, the major parties, and and uh, on either the Republican or Democrat ticket. I mean, Hillary Clinton's foreign policy is going to be Obama's, which is bomb away. So you got that, um, and so I think that's where the general government will be better under Donald Trump. And then again, on general issues, commerce. Trump's uh, views on the American economy, I mean, it's interesting. He wants to get rid of Yellen. I think he's highly critical of Federal Reserve policy, but at the same time, I'm not so certain we're going to get anything better. But it can't get any worse. I mean, I guess we could we could go to negative interest rates and, and be sitting at a situation where we're facing hyperinflation. Uh, I mean, inflation is coming at some point. It's just a matter of when. So we could have that particular position, but uh, and of course, you know, a lot of people bristle at Trump's ideas of, you know, economic isolationism, though, uh, you know, Trump has American working class people at heart. And I think that uh, we can have a debate about what's the best policy for the American working class. Certainly, it's not a policy where you squeeze them from both sides, the top and the bottom. And essentially, that's what we've got. I mean, that's that's William uh, Graham Sumner's um, forgotten man. We've got that now. That's our policy. And that's progressivism. So real federalism would say things like crime and social policy. Uh, these things are better handled by the state. And so you can live in a society that, fits the, that reflects the political culture and fits the culture of your particular area. I mean, this is all federalism does, and in fact, it would produce a much better and I think happier American society. Because if Americans only had to worry about making their state better and not worrying about, for example, if you're an Alabamian or a Texan and you have very conservative social views, you don't have to worry about what happens in California or Massachusetts because it won't affect you. And on the other hand, if you're a very liberal American and you're living in California or Massachusetts, You don't have to worry about these rednecks from Texas or Alabama affecting what you want to do. You can have your socialist liberal utopia in whatever state you want. You can also have your very conservative utopia in whatever state you want if that's the majority of the political culture in a region. And if you don't like that political culture and you live in that state, you can move to a different state. It's quite simple. You move. You can't move from the United States unless you want to become an expatriate, renounce your citizenship, and then where are you going to go that's really much better? 
I mean, people are doing this, and it's, you know, it's been pointed out there are more Americans renouncing their U.S. citizenship than ever before because they think we're doomed in America, but where are you going to go that's any better? I mean, there might be some other places that uh, you could think that, uh, well, maybe that uh, political society would be better for me, but it's, it's hard. it would be hard to find anyone anywhere, maybe Switzerland, but it's very hard to become a, a citizen of Switzerland. And then there's the language barrier and other things in other countries where you'd have to face that problem. So, um, you know, where do you go? But you can definitely go somewhere else in the States. I, I, could, I could move from the state I'm in and go to a different state if I didn't like it. So that is the beauty of federalism a federation of sovereign independent states that have delegated certain powers to the general authority, to the general government, for general purposes only. This is why we had representatives elected every two years, because they didn't need to be elected every year, because they didn't need to know what was going on in their individual state at all times. It's why senators at six-year terms were given some of the authority they had in the general government because, number one, they were elected by the state legislatures. If we want to do anything to bring back federalism, we need to repeal the 17th Amendment so the state legislatures actually had some control over the general government. But again, they were there to to be this check, a state check on the entire process, and they had the interests of their states in mind. They didn't need to know the minutia, though, of what was happening in your local community at your school board on Friday night or on Tuesday night when you had your school board meeting. That was for the people of the state and the community to decide. And so perhaps we're going to get a revitalization of federalism under a Trump presidency if he should win. We know we're not going to get it under a Clinton presidency. Not at all. I'm not certain if we would have had it under a Cruz presidency. I don't think true conservatism was repudiated by Ted Cruz's loss. I think Ted Cruz was repudiated, and I also think that neoconservative foreign policy was repudiated. It wasn't, it wasn't true conservatism. People didn't like Ted Cruz. And there was also the problem, as I pointed out before several times, that Ted Cruz would have been a, would have been a disaster for originalism because he's not a natural-born citizen. You've now codified a situation where Ted Cruz, a man born in Canada, to a single American parent, and even that, there's some dispute as to how long she had actually been a U.S. citizen, uh, or if she, how long she had lived in Canada, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, was she was she even able to be considered, uh, you know, this U.S. born to a U.S. citizen? Uh, what you've done is codified a very dangerous position when it comes to natural-born citizenship. So we have to understand real federalism, and I think that's the key to all of this. It's going to open a conversation about what we wish to conserve in America. And what we should be conserving is local community, is hearth and home, is our state the culture, the political culture of our own community. At the end of the day, we really shouldn't care what somebody else in their other, in somebody else's state and what in, in their political community, unless we're going to go live there. We really shouldn't care what they do there. Worry about your own backyard first. And a lot of conflict in American history could have been solved by this particular uh, defense of federalism. 
And I think that's hopefully where we can go from here. When your friends tell you that they're very upset about Ted Cruz losing, open this conversation. Say, well, you know, what what is it that what is it that Ted Cruz brought that was so much better than Donald Trump? And what is it we really want for conservatives? At the end of the day, what conservatives really want is to be left alone in their own community. And real federalism can do that. Ted Cruz is not going to bring that. If we can make America great again from the top down, the one thing that could happen is just for the general government to back off. Let the states and local governments handle state and local government issues themselves. And I always go back to the quotation by Tench Cox. Tench Cox is one of these founding members of the founding generation that nobody knows anything about, but he wrote a lot about the Constitution when it was being ratified. He wrote several essays, in fact that were some of the best that were ever produced in defense of the Constitution. And his primary position was to allay the fears of everyone in the states that this general government was not going to destroy the states. And what people don't realize when they start talking about, well, the real fear of the anti-federalists is that there was no Bill of Rights. When you look at the Bill of Rights and you look at the proposed amendments that were sent to James Madison— at the top of virtually every single one of those lists was a Tenth Amendment, what became the Tenth Amendment. What the greatest fear was, if you read the ratification debates, if you read the debates surrounding the Constitution, there are two great fears. The greatest fear was that the states would be eliminated, that the general government would consume them, and that all decisions would be, quote-unquote, national. That was the main concern. The other one was the executive branch and how powerful the executive branch would be. So what we could have in a, in a conversation, what we could talk about in a conversation is, wait a second here, maybe the executive branch will be reined in a bit, and maybe real federalism will come back. And Tench Cox made it clear in his essays that the states would do virtually everything other than what was delegated in Article One, Section 8. And that particular argument, more than anything else, is what won the day when it came to the proponents of the Constitution. The opponents were persuaded by that particular argument more than anything else. Those wavering delegates that thought, okay, well, I'm not so certain about this Constitution. You had the, you had the opponents of the document that weren't going to vote for it no matter what. But you had a group, you had a group that were saying, all right, you can persuade us. And that argument that the states would not be destroyed was the most powerful argument. And, of course, people would say, well, no, no, it's the Bill of Rights. Well, the most important part of the Bill of Rights for most people was the fact that the states would have an amendment that would ensure that misconstruction was not going to take place in the central government. And if you read the preamble to the Bill of Rights, that's completely clear. Abuse of power and misconstruction. That is the Tenth Amendment. Now, we can talk about what kind of teeth it should have if there is an enforcement mechanism out there. But it was argued the states will be, Roger Sherman said this, the states will be powerful enough to check anything that the central government does. And I believe that perhaps a Trump presidency would allow for this type of thing to happen more than anything else. And I think that people on the left and the right, it's about preserving home community. They should be embracing this because it would solve 
this tyranny of the 50 plus 1% that we're seeing in the national, quote-unquote, national electorate today. Americans are angry, as I've said before, because they don't believe they're being represented and they're right. But they are represented at the state level. They are represented in their local community. And if nothing else, we've the, the loss of Ted Cruz has repudiated a nationalist conservative message. And I know people say, well, Donald Trump's a nationalist. He's a nationalist in a certain way. He's a nationalist in saying protecting American borders or protecting America, the American economy or protecting America first and foreign policy. But I haven't necessarily seen he's a nationalist when it comes to domestic policy. And that's what we should be embracing. Now, I could be wrong. Donald Trump, as I said, could come in and be a complete uh, you know, dictator when it came to domestic policy. But the indication is he's not going to be that way. The indication is that America First is more of a foreign policy directive, that we're going to enforce the borders, which is what a lot of Americans want, maybe even the majority. These riots aren't helping the cause of people who are for immigration. Uh, and we're going to ensure that American foreign policy has at its heart American interests first and foremost. This is the traditional American position. So I think that people need to calm down, particularly on the right, and say, all right, everything's going to be okay. The earth has not been torn asunder. Donald Trump is not going to destroy anything. And we should embrace this approach, this conversation that we can now have about the future direction of the American polity. Perhaps for the first time, really, I mean, I think in the, since in the last 30 years, you know, there was some of this discussion during the Reagan administration. But before that, you have to go back a long way. I know that Nixon had his new federalism idea, but all that was was a disguise for nationalism. I and mean, because it was this these block grants to the states, this was stupid, because it still just you know, strings attached to this money. You have federal mandates that have to be, you know, uh, that states have to comply with that are very difficult to do. So this really wasn't uh, a real federalist approach. You have to really go back to Calvin Coolidge. A hundred years to find the last time you had a real federalism or federalist approach to the general government. Maybe Donald Trump can be that guy again. It wasn't going to be Ted Cruz. So, I think that uh, this this is an important development, maybe the most important development in the last 30 years, 40 years, in terms of American uh, political philosophy. And as I said, in terms of foreign policy, Trump is going back to a very traditional position that we need to embrace, particularly those on the right, because it's a much safer for the American citizen and less expensive and preferable position to uh, American imperialism. So calm down. Everything's going to be okay. This is your fireside chat. Listen to my voice. Everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be okay. Donald Trump is not the Antichrist. Donald Trump is not going to destroy America. 
Put your shawl over your legs. Sit by the fire and relax. It will be fine. With that very calming message, I will see you next time on The Brian McClanahan Show. Thank you.